0: Welcome to The Howler, your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Ethan Barry and Madison Bell.
1: Welcome into another edition of The Howler here, Ethan Barry alongside Madison Bell. Madison, how are you doing on this fine evening?
2: Great, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. We've got a a good show for you guys today. We're going to talk a little bit about the pit game, we're going to talk about Um, the bye there's not gonna be a whole lot to talk about the bye and then we'll look towards the end of the schedule we're also very excited to have Corey Smith Pack Pride editor join us on this show we'll get to that momentarily first we'll start NC State defeated Pitt the final score was 35 to 17. NC State did not have a great first half Madison why do you think that was
2: um I I hate to bring up the point that I brought up last week but I think some of it definitely had to do with a little bit of uh the atmosphere at Pitt and I'm also gonna say that every team is gonna have a bad game you know like this is not something that NC State probably wouldn't have accomplished in the long run at some point but I'm glad it was against a team like Pitt as opposed to a team like Notre Dame or Clemson
1: yeah definitely I mean Pitt's not a great team. They're not going to make a bowl. So, you know, NC State was able to get off to a slow start and still um, win the game. Naheem Hines had a huge first half, and then the rest of the team played much better in the second half. Um, but it was a game, we've talked about this, this is a game that NC State usually loses, to be quite frank. And um, they found a way to win, and – uh you know, you got to give the team a lot of credit. These are easy games to lose, you know, once you're playing big games. You're playing big games every week. Florida State, Louisville, then you've got Notre Dame, Clemson. And Pitt's not a big game. Pitt's not a named team, um, but NC State was able to find a way to win and you give credit to the players, give credit to the coaches. Um, and NC State was able to to win the game. The score looks more comfortable than the game actually was. We've got to give you a shout-out, too. Didn't you predict the score? D- didn't you predict NC State <laughs> to win by two touchdowns and a field goal? I
2: think so. I think I did. So that was completely luck of the draw on that one. But
1: I think technically, technically State actually won by uh, 18 points. So you were one point off. Oh, darn. But we've still, I one mean, obviously. Point. Obviously still got to give you a lot of credit on that one, but... Now we're going to go ahead and and look forward um, towards the rest of the season. And now we've got Corey Smith, the editor from Pack Pride, joining us. Corey, how are you doing this evening?
0: I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're good.
1: doing well. Corey, NC State defeated Pitt last week to move to six and one, four and zero in the ACC. Um, it's it's been a bit of a surprising start. I mean, six and one. A lot of people expected five and two, or six and one at this point. But to you, what has been the biggest surprise to this point in the season for state, whether it be a player or a single win or a position group, what's what's in your mind has been the biggest surprise so far?
0: Well, I mean, I think you break that up into two things. You know, if you want to go by the biggest surprise uh, win, I think it's Louisville, Um, you know, especially if we're looking at before the season. I mean, I would say either Louisville or Florida State, honestly, but you know, when you look at those two before the season, I think those are the ones that you're saying, all right, you know, this team is probably starting off five and two. They're not going to go down to Tallahassee and win that game. Uh, you know, and then Thursday night football, you know, if they, if they lose the game against Florida State, they probably lose against Louisville. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, and, and the maybe the biggest surprise loss, uh, you know, would, would to me be, you know, obviously South Carolina because it's the only loss of the season. But uh, I think a lot of people had them, you know, winning that game and then, and then maybe starting 2-2 two and two in the ACC and, and looking at a 5-2 and two start and going, okay, that's a, that's a solid start. But, uh, you know, they, they turn around from that South Carolina loss and, and really, you know, at this point, I don't think anybody saw six straight wins, uh, you know, before the season at any point, uh, maybe in the season with the, the slate they have and, and several teams that are really tough on the schedule. But, uh, you know, surprise player to me uh, and, and position group in general, uh, I think would be, you know, at running back with Naheem High really taking that role over. Uh, you know, we could look at, you know, maybe the offensive line. And, you know, obviously this offensive line is one of the best, in the not only the ACC, but the best in the country. Uh, you know, I, I think I saw a stat this morning that they ranked number one in terms of pressure allowed to the quarterback, which is right around 10 percent. And that's in the country, not the ACC. Uh, so. This, you know this offensive line unit has been great and it's really opened the door for Naheem Hines to take over that role and and to me be one of the uh, you know the the best uh, running backs in the ACC and maybe the all best all purpose back in uh, in the entire country as well.
1: Yeah, I actually think that's a good point. Uh I hadn't even when I was thinking about the biggest surprise, I hadn't even considered the South Carolina loss. But mm-hmm. you actually might be right, especially I mean, if you said going into the game that Florida State was going to be starting a true freshman and DeAndre Francois was going to be out, you know, maybe you take NC State to win that game. Yeah. Uh, So looking back right now, to me, the biggest surprise is actually South Carolina. I hadn't even thought of that, but that's (laughs) a great point.
2: So looking forward to the Notre Dame game, why do you think that is going to be such a important matchup for the pack even though it's not an ACC game it's just going to be contributing to the team's overall record why do you think that one will be such a big matchup
0: well you know it kind of depends on if you believe the uh, obviously Notre Dame going into Notre Dame is always a big game I mean if, if you win that game you win it on NBC you win it on a national stage and you know you can say all right they're not in the ACC but at the same time this is a team that on the national stage, everyone recognizes you beat a Notre Dame, you beat a, you know, an Alabama. I'm not saying they're going to beat Alabama. I'm <laughs> saying you beat one of those types of programs. It becomes a bigger deal than what it is. It Maybe may be a better a better idea would be somebody like Texas, Ohio State, somebody along those lines. You know, those are the, the big, proud programs of college football. Uh, but if you believe into the hype that this team has a chance to make it to the college football playoff, Uh, which I think a lot of people are kind of saying, look, if if they beat this Notre Dame team and they beat Clemson, uh, you know, the the road ahead after that point, you know, you have the likes of of Wake Forest and Boston College on the road, which are trip-up games, but, uh, you know, if they win this game, that gives them confidence going into Clemson and, you know, this this could be one of those games where, look, you know, it doesn't mean a whole lot in, in terms of making it to the ACC championship game, but uh, I mean, even though they are 6-1 and one and, you know, we're looking at a lot of other teams that have a, a better chance of making the College Bowl playoff, but they have tough games ahead as well. So if this team can get past this hurdle and also get past Clemson, uh, you know, Notre Dame is a huge game in the scheme of getting this team back on track to, to potentially make it to that playoff.
1: And, right, I mean, right now Notre Dame is ranked... I want to say they're 13th or so, maybe 12th.
0: Yeah, they're is the AP poll is 13th. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I mean, who knows if they're actually that good. We don't really know. They did have a 1 point loss to Georgia, but they could mm. if they're able to beat USC this week, that could turn out to be a really quality win for NC State. Yeah, I, I
0: don't I, I don't I don't think they'll beat USC this weekend. That's just me. I think they go into yeah. that game with two losses, but uh but yeah, I mean, if they do beat USC, that that becomes an even bigger, uh, an even yeah. bigger game. Yeah. And if they do win, an even bigger win. So,
1: right. So this two game stretch against Notre Dame and Clemson. Mm-hmm. Do you think? I mean, obviously, you know, I haven't been a state fan for. I've probably been a state fan for about ten years. I can't remember a two game stretch that has been this important. Are, are there two games in a row that come to your mind? in recent memory that have been as important as these or as significant?
0: No, no, I can't. Uh, and to be honest with you, I think the reason why is because solely because of what's at stake. Um, you know, when you look at the fact that they're ranked this high and you look at the fact that, you know, there, there are implications of a potential ACC championship game. If they, if they take care of business in, in both of these games, uh, you know, again, Notre Dame, doesn't mean a whole lot in terms of getting to the ACC championship game, but it means huge implications if you're if you're saying this team has a chance at the uh, college football playoffs. So, no, there I, I really don't think. And you know, and I've I mean, being a part of Pac Pride, we have obviously our message boards. We've had a a ton of people who have been saying, look, all week, and I mean, these are guys that have been fans of the team since like the '60s. Some of them, uh, you know, and they're saying I can't remember a two-game stretch in the history of NC State uh, that has been this big of a deal. Just In terms of implications for what it could mean uh, for the future, obviously, you know, we look back at the past and say, all right, well, if they went one and one in a two-game stretch, we don't think about it as highly. You know, if this team goes 2-0 and in this stretch, we maybe look back on that stretch and and, and potentially make it to, you know, the ACC championship game if they take care of business. Uh, You know, this could be even if we're looking back at it, you know, 20, 30 years from now, might still be one of the biggest stretches in NC State history if they can pull off 2-2 or if they can pull off 2-0.
1: Yeah, actually, the two games, I think it was actually a three-game stretch that just came to my mind. It was actually in basketball when NC State, I believe it was three years ago with Trevor Lacey and Cat Barber, went to Louisville and went to UNC Chapel Hill and won both of those games and then went on a Sweet 16 run. That's what came to my mind. But before they play Notre Dame, they've got a bye this week, which makes NC State fans feel comfortable because you know it's a game that you can't lose. So in your mind, is the buy at a good time, or would it have been better to just keep on playing because you've won six games in a row?
0: Well, I think it's at a perfect time because of the fact that, you know, look, you, you get rest. Um, I think it's – sorry, there's, there's kind of two parts to this again. Uh, it's, it's, it comes at a great time because, again, you have this crucial stretch coming up. So you get time to rest up. You get time to kind of game plan for Notre Dame, going to Notre Dame. And then obviously the next week is Clemson coming to NC State. Uh, and I'm like 100% sure that's going to be a night game, uh, you know, unless Miami and uh, – oh, gosh, I can't remember who my Miami and Virginia Tech, unless yeah. that one becomes the night game. Uh, I think the two of them are kind of vying for that, but – Clemson being the bigger name there, I think would would be the reason why they get that game. Uh, but I think it also comes at a crucial time because of the fact that look, you know, when you get to when you get that chance to kind of you know reflect on all these things, they get they get their chance to kind of all right, let's enjoy what we've done and then we can get back to a full week of practice regular, just like they normally would. So you're you know. Yes, you can say, all right, it would be great to be able to keep playing these games. But look, you know, Notre Dame has to play USC coming up weekend. NC State doesn't have to play anybody. So Notre Dame could come away, you know, from one of the most grueling games they're going to have all year, other than maybe Georgia or even NC State. But then they, you know, they don't get time to rest like NC State will. So this this is a huge deal for NC State to be able to get this kind of break going into such a, you know, such an illustrious stadium and playing such a big team.
2: Who do you think is going to be the one player or two that really has to step up for NC State to really advance and possibly win the ACC?
0: Uh, well, uh, number one, I think you go to Mike Stevens. Uh, Mike Stevens is the, is the biggest name um, in that secondary coming into this year and missed those you know, first three full games kind of comes into action a little bit makes his first start this past weekend against Pitt. And we saw how big of an impact he can make. I mean, the guy comes away with an inter- a pivotal interception, um, turns the game for NC State when they're, you know, kind of uh, struggling just a little bit there, you know, right after the right after the half. And, uh, and then you look at the fact that then right afterwards, I mean, like a, a site like Pro Football Focus says, all right, he's our number one corner in the ACC. This is his first start of the entire season. And he's, he's one and one in terms of player of the week for uh, for pro football focus, who, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a little bit of, you know, we're kind of pumping them up a little bit because they're tied in with 24 seven sports with this pack ride. But uh, pro football focus is a huge deal when it comes to, you know, these kind of stats and things like that. Uh, so I would say, number one, Mike Stevens is going to be huge, especially, uh, you know, against big passing offenses. Uh, you know, if Kelly Bryant's back for Clemson, they're they're again, a passing offense. Uh, and then, you know, teams like Wake Forest have a a, de- a really good passing offense with John Walford uh, under center. So, uh, but I would say number two, and, you know, maybe this is a surprise to some people, but I would have to say Steph Lewis. Uh, Steph has had some really big plays this season. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, but he's kind of been overshadowed at times by Jacoby Myers. Uh, and, you know, obviously we expect Kelvin Harmon to be a big play guy, but uh, you know, you've got Kelvin Harmon, you've got uh, Jay Sam, you've got Jacoby Myers. They all play their roles. Um, and Steph Lewis is one of those guys that, look, you get the ball in his hands, and he's usually breaking huge tackles, but he just hasn't gotten the ball in his hands quite as quite as often. Um, I love Steph. I mean, he's a great guy to talk to. He's a, He had a huge year last year. Um, and I really think, you know, if he gets going – this offense is even more dynamic than it, than it even has been, which is which is crazy to think in terms of what they've been able to do with these first seven games.
1: Yeah, that, that's actually a good point about Steph Lewis. I hadn't thought about him, but NC State's yeah. got a really well-rounded offense. And it just, I mean, how many points is it possible to score you under if Steph Lewis can really get going?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, you know, and, and, and one of the things about Steph, too, and, like, that's kind of why I brought up how many targets they do have And then you got to think about the fact that Naheem Hines is in that passing game every once in a while, too. And then you put C.J. Riley on the field. Then you have uh, Emeka Amizi. And then, you know, it's just there's so many guys to go around. I mean, we had a question a few weeks ago, like, look, why isn't Cole Cook in this offense? Why isn't there a tight end, a great tight end in this offense? I'm like, when do they have time to throw to a tight end? (laughs) Yeah, honestly, like (laughs) there's so many, so many big play guys that you already have as far as wide receivers.
1: Yeah, that's certainly a good point. It actually makes me think of Thad Moss. I mean, yeah. imagine if he was oh, yeah. still here. That's another guy. That's probably why he left, honestly. Is yeah. because he yeah. saw what was happening. But yeah, um, uh,
0: you know, and they kind of become decoy guys. Yeah, uh, more than more than anything else. And you know, if you believe that, if you believe that Jay Sam is a tight end, which he's not, uh, then you've got the best tight end in the country. But he's not. Yeah. So. <laughs>
1: All right, final question here for you, Corey. If mm-hmm. you had to bet, if you were a betting man, we don't <laughs> endorse betting, but if you did bet, <laughs> no. how many wins do you would you bet on NC State finishing with, including a potential ACC championship game, including uh, a bowl game, obviously, which at this point is a for-sure thing, and including a potential two bowl games if they did make the playoffs? How many wins would you bet right now NC State finishes with? Uh...
0: Yeah, that's a, honestly, to me, uh, looking at, looking at what's going to, you know, what's going to unfold at this point, I, you know, before the season, I said, I said nine. uh, And I was kind of doing the same thing as you guys saying, you know, look five and two at the start of the season. Uh, That's where I think this team can end up. Um, And, you know, that was including the bowl game. I was thinking it was going to be eight or eight and four, and then you win the bowl game, you go nine and four. Uh, So if I'm. You know, if I'm adding it up, I'm probably saying 10 from my preseason prediction. You know, with where we're at now, uh, but you know, I'm gonna go bold. Um, I'm gonna go with 11. Uh, the reason why I think, I think, you know, look, even if they do slip up against a Notre Dame, I think Clemson at home, uh, they have, you know, they've they've won all these revenge games so far this year. Uh, they've beaten Louisville. They've beaten Florida State. I mean, I feel like you know, Bradley Chubb somewhere in his locker has like a you know, a revenge checklist. That's, yes, and that's
1: exactly what it is.
0: He's saying, look, you know, these are teams that I haven't beaten in my time. I've got to beat these guys. Um, and Clemson becomes one of those teams, you know, m- maybe not necessarily, look, we haven't beaten them ever since I've been here. But they, you know, th- last year, that was the that was the tide turning game for them. They win that game. Yep. I think they end up putting together an 8-9 win season. Mm-hmm. They lose that game and everything just kind of unfolds. I mean, they said, you know, from the get-go, look, Three, you know, three weeks later, they were still thinking about that game. Uh, So I feel like, you know, that that game still is in the back of their minds at all times. So even if they do slip up against Notre Dame, I think they win against Clemson, uh, you know, and I don't think they slip up in any of these games moving forward. So I could see them potentially making it to the ACC championship game, uh, you know, and if they do, um, I mean, you know, and if they do, I think there's a, a potential to to go to 12 wins, maybe even 13, if they, you know, if they get to the College Bowl playoff. But that's that's obviously all, you know, further down the road. So I'm going to say 11. I think they get to that point where they can get to the ACC championship game, and then, uh, you know, don't win that, go to a bowl, win another game, and they, that's how they finish the season.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think 11 wins is probably where I'm yep. at yep. for me. Mm-hmm. For me personally, I think it's, um, let's, let's win these next two games before we really start thinking about the playoffs. So right Now I'm just focused on, let's take care of Notre Dame and Clemson before we really start to get bold and think about the playoffs, but whatever happens, Pack Pride will be there and Corey will be there to cover it for you. Corey, thank you for joining us on the Howler.
0: I appreciate it guys. Good luck to you.
1: Thank you. Excellent conversation there with Corey Smith. Um, from Pack Pride. He's definitely one of the nicest guys that you'll meet and uh, would certainly recommend checking out Pack Pride, but now we're going to take a look at the second half of the schedules. Technically over the halfway point at this point, but the bye week is basically the halfway point. Um, So we'll look at these final five remaining games. One thing that I thought about while we were talking to Corey is the schedule makers seem to have been doing NC State some favors this year which obviously we're not going to complain about that because it always seems that it do, we don't get any favors. But I think in, I'm think i thinking this because Notre Dame plays USC the week before they play NC State, which is a huge break um, for NC State. And Clemson plays Georgia Tech the week before NC State plays Clemson, which is huge because you've got to deal with the Georgia Tech triple option. And then you've got um, – Syracuse played LSU the week before that they b- the week before they came to Raleigh. Um so in your mind, I mean at the halfway point, do you think the schedule has been easier or harder than it's looked or than it than we thought at the beginning?
2: Well, clearly by our wins in the ACC and overall it's been easier than we originally thought. Um but back to your point of the fact that all these like Notre Dame is playing USC and Clemson's playing Georgia Tech. We're also playing Notre Dame before we play Clemson.
1: That is true. So you could
2: turn around and look at it the exact same way about our schedule that we're playing Mm -hmm. a big team before we play Clemson, and obviously Clemson has a little. The Clemson game is going to have a little bit more riding on it in terms of the ACC championship. And
1: yeah, that's true. I I definitely agree with you on that one. I think a lot of people are kind of discounting the big the big wins over Louisville and Florida State because Louisville is four and three right now. They do not look good. They they look like the Lamar Jackson show. And unfortunately he only plays one position on the field. Um and Florida State, DeAndre Francois went out with injury, then they didn't play for two weeks. So those things went in N C State favors. Went in N C State's favor. Florida State's still a good team in my book. That's a team that only lost by fourteen to Alabama, I believe. And they're two and three, so they lost to NC State and they lost on a game winning drive to Miami with a minute left. So they're two and three. But they've probably they've got three top fifteen losses. Um so hopefully that win will look better towards the end of the year. Um so I mean a lot of people are questioning whether or not NC State is actually um is actually worthy of some of these wins. Not worthy of the wins, but worthy of the recognition that they're receiving because they haven't played a truly, really good team, which obviously will change in the next two weeks against Notre Dame and Clemson. But looking forward for you, we asked Corey about a sec a guy who's going to have to step up in the second half. Um, he mentioned Steph Lewis and Mike Stevens. Who, in your mind, needs to step up?
2: That is a definitely going to be one of the more difficult questions because there are so many different factors
1: and a lot of scene. people are playing well yes for me for me it's contavious street he's playing on the opposite side of bradley chubb and you've got justin jones bj hill in the middle and he's got darian Roseboro taking reps i'm not sure if street has a sack I, I mean he may have like half a sack or something but i mean this is a guy who we've been waiting to break out for two or three years now and it's his senior year and he's a, a monster in the weight room as we've seen um but it, I just feel like he needs to. I mean, he's not in. He's not only not getting the stats. It seems like he's not in the. He's not always in the play. He's not in the backfield. Um, so I mean, I think if he can step up, that will be huge, for NC State. Then you've got two NFL guys, one first round pick and another guy who's going to get drafted, coming off the side. I mean, <laughs> you can't double team anybody on that defensive line. And if Contavia Street. Um, can figure it out and step it up. I think that will be big for the second half of the season.
2: I am quite frankly struggling to pick one person because I just don't know how they're going to perform a little bit better. But I was thinking about our linebackers as a core because I know on some of the plays they've been a couple steps behind everybody. Um, but. Absolutely. That's going to be something that. We need to be stepping up in that area our linebackers. I know we struggled a little bit against Syracuse when Syracuse came, they were throwing passes right across the middle and it was yeah. repetition. It was the exact same thing a couple plays in a row and those are things that you have to like you have to look out for if it's happening multiple plays in a row, then there should have been at yeah. least there were multiple pick opportunities.
1: There were, but I I also think you have to kind of put some of the blame on the coaching staff and give credit to Syracuse as well because they were matching up a slot receiver against our linebackers. And, I mean, a a wide receiver is going to win that battle nine times out of ten, and that's exactly what happened to Syracuse. So credit to them. I do agree with you that the linebackers could step up and make some more game-breaking plays. Jermaine Pratt has done his part. Oh, yes, absolutely. I I definitely think you want to look for – um, jared fernandez and aries Moore, the two seniors to really step up uh... in the second half of the season nc state's only allowing ninety rush yards a game which i believe is top ten in the country um, so it's not like it's not like they're doing bad um, i'm gonna ask you the same question that i asked Corey, and then we're gonna talk about um, a winter sport real quick basketball just for a few minutes before we wrap up if you were a betting woman, and we don't imbor- endorse betting, like I said, um, how many wins does NC State finish with? Jeez,
2: eleven. I agree with Corey.
1: Yeah, and and I do too. It's kind of a loaded question because there's so many things that could happen. Yeah. You know, NC State could lose these next two games, and then there's no chance of winning eleven games because um, you'll be six and three. Uh, but I just think... I don't think NC State's losing both of the next two games. I really don't. Um, they might lose one. I Let me just say this. This is my bold prediction of the week. NC State is more likely to beat Clemson and Notre Dame than they are to lose to Clemson and Notre Dame.
2: I would agree with that.
1: So that's my uh, hot take of the week. It might not even be a hot take. It may just be my opinion. Um, so we we'll fin- We'll, re- we'll leave our football opinions at that do you have a hot take that you would like to share yeah. no okay so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna shift our attention now to basketball um, prime time with the pack is coming up um, this Friday seven o'clock Reynolds callCM and it's a big event second annual prime time with the pack it get on
2: go pack and get your tickets you have to have a ticket for entry doors open at seven wolf nation show up
1: there you go and uh you know it was great last year obviously so fun it was a lot of fun it was
2: the perfect season opener it got me really excited about basketball season
1: yeah and it
2: did i but there really wasn't a lot to be excited about in the long run but it was a fun night fun event
1: it certainly was a fun night and um
2: well, women's basketball had something to be excited about last yeah, year. Yeah, they should sure men's did. basketball. Women's basketball
1: will be there as well, so you yes. don't want to forget that. We want to give them their credit too.
2: They absolutely deserve it.
1: Um, but this is gonna be an interesting NC State team with uh Kevin Keats uh implementing the new his new system. And I think it'll be interesting. One thing that's always stuck out to me is N C State coaches always talk about playing faster and it never happens. So I'm not saying I'm not saying Keats isn't gonna do it. I'm just saying I'm just saying I'm ready to see somebody say they're gonna play fast and then actually play fast. I
2: am not worried that Kevin Keats is gonna keep his word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am not concerned at all about that.
1: No, I, I mean, apparently I, it's
2: been track practice.
1: Yeah, the football players have been complaining that they have the to run players. S- basketball players, excuse me. Have been complaining. But well, I mean they
2: had the trash cans at practice. Yeah, so I can believe it.
1: So that'll be interesting to see, and I think it's going to be fun to see them play the the in-your-face defense all the time and then
2: play defense at all. Let's just that's point true. that out. It's, that's <laughs> going to be fun to see us play some defense.
1: That is true, and then the offense is going to be a lot of threes and a lot of dunks is, is the goal. Um, so we'll see. But for this NC State team in a transition year, I mean, how do you feel about the roster? You've got four seniors, two grad transfers, Leonard Freeman coming off of – um, a redshirt year. I believe it was his leg that yes. held him out last year. I mean,
2: he's had issues for a couple of years.
1: Yeah, I think it's a good team. And I think the one thing that sticks out to me is the experience with four seniors and then a redshirt junior, Torndorn, Dorn, and, and Sean Kirk is also a junior. I think Markel Johnson and Omir Yurtzeman are going to be the two biggest keys um, to how good NC State will be. Who's the key player for you?
2: I'm gonna go with Markel Johnson. Yeah. For the sole fact that, well, I'm I'm not gonna say that I know how Kevin Keats runs his system, because I didn't play pay enough attention when he was coaching at UNCW. But NC State, for as long as I can remember, as long as I've been a state fan, has been heavily reliant on their point guards. Yeah. And Markel does have that experience. He learned under Dennis Smith Jr. last year who is playing in the NBA as we speak. Yeah. Like, that's who he learned under last year. And I think that that is going to say a lot. And I think that Markell staying this year and the connections that he got with the new guys coming in and also the returning guys is going to say a lot. Like, we talked about this earlier, but – Markell is going to be the one feeding everybody the ball this year.
1: Mm-hmm. so He's not a scorer.
2: No, he's not. But he can p- like he's a different kind of point guard than we're used to seeing on yeah, our NC State a- basketball teams.
1: He absolutely is.
2: And I'm going to be looking forward to see how he creates plays through his passing and playmaking abilities as opposed to scoring.
1: Yeah, he's definitely a great playmaker. He looks to pass, which is not something that we've said about NC State point guards a lot. <laughs> And his defense, and that's not a knock on Cat or Dennis or Trevor no. Lacey. Markel is looking to get other players the ball, um, and that's fine. You know, you can have a scoring point guard, you can have a passing point guard. Markel is a passing point guard, and uh, I and think, as
2: far as we know, Kevin Keats has made him more of a scoring point guard.
1: No, that's exactly right, and um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. As for Omir, I mean, Omir's got NBA level talent. Um, he did not. I mean, he did not have a good le- year last year. He would tell you that. Um, but I mean, I think if he can develop into a a go-to scorer in there with a boo and a g- and, you know a good rebounder and a rim protector, that could go a long ways. And he's he might be NC State's best perimeter shooter too, which is I think something that people forget about. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. I, I know. I mean, obviously, football season has been phenomenal. Right, and we're we're enjoying that right now and we've still got uh at least five games to go. Well, at least six I should say, hopefully seven. <laughs> seven or eight maybe. But um I'm definitely excited to watch the basketball team play and see their same see the different style of play and see how hard they play.
2: I am very excited. I feel like it's gonna be Yeah. Uh miraculous difference. <laughs> It'll be a nice change of pace. <laughs> the team we saw last year. And we
1: don't want to sit here and, and knock, you know, previous NC state teams, but it's different. I mean, you know, Mark Gottfried did a great job here and the last two years obviously didn't go well. So NC state needed some change. And I think Kevin Keats is exactly what that change is.
2: He's a breath of fresh air. He's,
1: that's right. He's a breath of fresh air and he's a, the change that we needed. Um, so, the first exhibition game, I believe, is November 3rd. It is. Which is two weeks from uh, this Friday. Uh, you can get your first look at the NC State basketball team this coming Friday on October 20th at prime time with the pack. As we mentioned, it's at Reynolds Coliseum. Doors open at 7, I believe you yes, said. Yes,
2: doors open at 7.
1: Would definitely recommend you be there. It's a bye week, you don't have to worry about waking up for an NC State <laughs> game. A football game. Um, we can
2: all get so much needed
1: rest. Exactly. Some These football games are exhausting. So uh, it's going to be a nice rest. The players can uh, heal up. Y- you know, I-, I meant to say this earlier, <clears throat> but the bye week is always at a good time in football season because always there's always somebody dinged up. Um, Bradley Chubb's finger comes to mind.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um,
1: but there's, I mean, everybody, you know, football is such a physical sport. All these players need a rest, and so this certainly comes uh, at a good time before the two-week stretch, which we mentioned with Corey. You know, NC State has never had something like this, an opportunity on the national stage in back-to-back weeks to really say, hey, you better take us seriously because we're a national championship contender, which sounds weird to say, but if NC State wins I feel like na- it's a joke. It, I yeah. feel like
2: someone is playing a joke on me. I'm being punked.
1: No, I mean, you're exactly right. But if NC State wins the next two games, like, that's what it is. NC State is then a national championship contender. Um, so we'll see what happens. We want to thank Corey Smith um, for joining us. As we mentioned, always be sure to check out Pack Pride. They cover every football game, every basketball game, and they're, uh, they're the best in terms of NC State coverage. We want to thank you for listening here to The Howler, another episode. We will be back next week. Madison, thank you for being with me. It's been a a good episode talking some football with Corey and then um, some basketball here at the end. Thank you for joining us. That will do it for this week's edition of The Howler.
0: For listening to the Howler, a service of PAC TV. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu/sports.